And welcome to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. Good day to all of you. Many thanks to our national sponsors, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain registration. Learn more about them by going to Pair.com. That's Pair, P-A-I-R.com. And to Larchuk Law Offices, providing services to Pennsylvanians for 36 years. Learn more at LarchukLaw.com. That's L-A-R-C-H-U-K-L-A-W.com. First, the news in healthcare politics this week. Uh, with, its, with each passing day, the House Republican leadership proposal, which uh, the president declared to be wonderful, is under attack from just about everybody. Uh, as I sit in the studio right now, I'm looking at the TV monitor, still waiting for the Congressional Budget Office report. Uh, here we are at 3 o'clock Eastern Time, and unless they're really planning to do this at the last minute, that report is already in the hands of the key Republicans, and for some reason we're just not seeing it, so maybe that'll break through while we're on the air. Uh, there has been strong opposition voiced by consumer groups, hospital associations, physician associations, as well as many key Republican senators and governors across the country. On the right, uh, the Tea Party Republicans in the House who brought down Speaker Boehner are feeling reinvigorated and are demanding a complete and immediate repeal of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Plan. And they don't care what happens. They said they would do it, and that's all that seems to matter to them. Meanwhile, the House leadership is pressing the bill through committees. Uh, they don't need no stinking debate. They don't need any witnesses. They don't need uh, CBO scoring. Just keep on going. Uh, Republican senators Murkowski of Alaska and Collins of Maine have, republicly have publicly or even republicly stated that they will support continued funding for plant Planned Parenthood. So, once again, that's two Republicans. Murkowski from Alaska Collins of Maine have said they will support Planned Parenthood. They will not vote to defund Planned Parenthood. If one more Republican senator uh, crosses over, uh, Planned Parenthood will survive. Senator Cotton of Arkansas, one of the rising stars in the Republican Party, has said to the House, go back to the drawing board. You're proposal is not going to make it in the Senate. Senator Paul of Kentucky has said the same thing. It's uh, in his terms, it is DOA. On a more positive note, Congressman Peter Welsh of Vermont and Elijah Cummings of Georgia met with the president to discuss Welch's proposal for reduction in drug prices. And both congressmen have reported that the president appeared knowledgeable about the problem and committed to helping press for drug pricing reforms. Of course, he campaigned on that, so that shouldn't be a surprise, but, you know, it just it's hard not to be surprised these days. Uh, likewise, Senator Booker of New Jersey, a rising star in, on the Democratic side and quite likely candidate for president in 2020, has confirmed that he and Senator Casey of Pennsylvania have met with Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont to press for a Senate version of a drug pricing reform legislation. So there seems to be some movement on both the House and the Senate sides to do something about drug prices. When we return, we were, we we're going to take a deep dive into the health care war, what I call the War of the Potomac, and we're going to talk about what was health care like before the Affordable Care Act, just to make sure we don't lose sight of that. 
Then we're going to talk about what the president promised and what the Republicans have been doing for the last seven years. Then we're going to take a deep dive into exactly what does the Affordable Care Act cover. There's all this talk about this is bad and that is bad. The president even had a bunch of people in the uh, White House today to talk about how they've had terrible experiences with the Affordable Care Act. Of course, nobody who had a good experience was invited to attend. Um, so much for an even-handed approach from the president who said he was going to be president for all the people. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to put on our track shoes and get going. So this is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. See you on the other side. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. Or we can just take a photo. C, show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing. I can't. It's too heavy. Oh, my God. Or D, just roll with it. Woo, Justin, look at us, we're over here. Justin, Justin, OMG, he just looked, I love you, Justin, I love you. When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org slash AL. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. And welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. I am Steve Larchuk, attorney and healthcare advocate. Many thanks to our national sponsors, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain name registration. Learn more about them by going to pair.com. That's P-A-I-R.com. Also, by Larchuk Law Offices, providing services to Pennsylvanians for 36 years. Learn more at larchuklaw.com. That's larchuk, L-A-R-C-H-U-K, law, L-A-W, dot com. This is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk is a weekly one-hour program broadcast every Monday at 3 o'clock Eastern. Over the air at 770 a.m. in the western Pennsylvania area. Stream through our website at healthcarepolitics.com. That's healthcare-politics.com, where we also post the podcasts each week. This is our fifth show, and all of the previous podcasts are available for your listening pleasure. Here we dare to be reasonable. And what does that mean? I think we're all sick to death of the extremism on both sides. And the, the answer to our problems is not at the edges. It's in the middle somewhere. So when I say we dare to be reasonable, that doesn't mean we dare to be uh, pushovers. It means we dare to have the courage to listen to the other side. And when they're right, they're right. And when we're right, we're right. So let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit more as we go along. It all starts with an acceptance of what Martin Luther King said over 50 years ago, of all forms of injustice— Inequality in healthcare is the most shocking and inhumane. All right, one more time. Of all forms of injustice, inequality in healthcare is the most shocking and inhumane. Can anyone disagree with that? If you went to every member of Congress and you asked that question, here's the quote, uh, Ms. Congressperson or Mr. Congressperson. 
Yes or no, do you agree or disagree? I doubt you would find very many, if any, who would say they disagree with Martin Luther King that inequality in healthcare is the most shocking and inhumane. Uh, today, our discussion is going to be framed by taking Speaker Paul Ryan's PowerPoint presentation of last week and walking through it slowly to see exactly what the proposal does and what it does not do. But before we get the microscope out, let's review the facts about what, what was it like before the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act was passed. What was it like before? What was it like before? So long ago, 2008, 2007, if you think about it, if you were paying attention at the time, employers were dropping health care plans like crazy. And who could blame them? If you manufactured widgets and you insured your employees and their families and your competitor down the street manufactured widgets, but they didn't insure their employees and their families, well, then your competitor could sell their widgets for less than you do, or you did. So you could try and tighten your belt and, and do this and do that to try and do the right thing to make sure your employees were covered. But sooner or later, the press of competition from the less responsible employer was going to get the best of you, and you would have to either reduce the amount of coverage or make your employees pay more or do something, and pretty soon you weren't insuring your employees at all. That's what was happening. And if you look at the charts, you can see a precipitous decline in how many employers were actually providing health care coverage. Premiums were going up 25% and more, not just once in a while, every year. Every year. At the same time, the insurance companies were, were reducing the quality of that insurance. Fewer things were covered. The co-pays and the deductibles were going up. That's the amount of money you had to pay out of your own pocket before the insurance company would pay anything. So the higher the co-pays, the higher deductibles, the tougher it was going to be. Employers, as I mentioned before, were starting to look to the employees to pay more of the, those premiums. The annual lifetime caps, annual and lifetime caps were going into place, which meant if you really got sick, something really nasty, a cancer or something like that, it was highly likely that even if your insurance did pay, it was going to exhaust your benefits within a, a short amount of time, and then you were, you were out on the street. So we were paying more, in many cases much more, for less. The most evil and insidious part of what was going on to my way of thinking, was that insurance companies would charge these premiums. You would pay every month. You'd, you'd find the money. You'd pay, you'd pay, you'd pay, you'd pay. And then you'd get sick, and you would start going to see a doctor, getting chemotherapy or something like that. And the insurance company would say, hey, this guy's sick. We can't, why, why are we insuring somebody who's sick? And they would throw people off that insurance. You could pay for years, never file a claim, but as soon as you became an expensive part of their balance sheet, they could just throw you off, and it was all perfectly legal. Perfectly legal, perfectly outrageous, perfectly inhumane. Pre-existing conditions would prevent people from being insured, and it didn't have to be much. You could be overweight. Uh, you could have pre-diabetes. You could have diabetes. You could have a... Um, 
uh, an inherited disease of some sort, you could have been injured in some way, and you were not going to be eligible for insurance. But it also applied to a lot of people based on their jobs or where they lived, and you would be disqualified. Women were charged much more than men. It was a pre-existing condition to have a uterus, so you just uh, were out of luck. Sorry, ladies. Uh, 25% and more was expended by these insurance companies on overhead and profits and competing and advertising and uh, sponsoring sports teams and a whole lot of things other than health care. Under, under Medicare, which took care of 50 million people who were by definition the sickest of the sick, the over 65s, the totally disabled, their overhead was only 5%. So all these people that say that private industry is so much more efficient than government uh, aren't paying attention to Medicare because Medicare spends less than 5% of the money it takes in to run itself. And that, for example, the person who runs Medicare, the CEO of Medicare, gets paid about $200,000 a year. Go, go ask how much the CEOs of these private health insurance companies get paid, and it will knock your socks off. So it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Now, we're just getting started today. There's lots of time. We've got lots of things to cover, so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about what else was wrong before the Affordable Care Act and what's gone right since. So thank you very much. See you in a few minutes. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow right where you live? That it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait, communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. While we take a break from healthcare politics with Steve Larchuk, let's talk for a couple of minutes about how to choose a lawyer when you need one. I've been practicing law for 36 years, but I can assure you I do not know everything about every kind of case. For example, if you are getting a divorce, I am not your man. If you have been arrested for drunk driving or possessing or selling drugs, save your quarter. I am not the one to call. It is also not an especially good idea to hire your cousin's son or daughter who just hung out their shingle. Law is a serious business, and you're going to be paying serious money. Rather, you will be better off to find at least three lawyers who have experience with the sort of case you have than meet with each one of them. They will almost always have an initial meeting without a charge. Do your homework. During those meetings, you need to size them up. Are they a good listener? Are they explaining the legal issues in a clear manner? Are they taking care to explain the cost of their services? Do they have backup and office support? Do you have a good feeling? You need to have confidence and trust in this relationship. It may not go well. You may lose your case. When it's all over, you don't need to be second-guessing whether you took the time you should have to pick the right lawyer. This is going to be important, so take your time. If you live anywhere in Pennsylvania and want some help choosing a lawyer, feel free to give me a call and we can discuss the facts of your unique case. This is important, so take your time. My telephone number, if you want to call me, is 412-848-1878. 
That is 412-848-1878. Hi, I found a toy dinosaur over on the playground by Smith Street. It had this phone number on it, and, well, I just wanted to make sure the dinosaur made it back to its little owner. When I found the little sippy cup, I just had to give you a call. It's for a kid, you know? I know my son gets super attached to the smallest things, even a fire truck, and I'd be happy to drop it off. We'd do anything for kids, yet one in six children in the U.S. struggle with hunger. Help end childhood hunger. Contact Food Bank of West Central Texas, brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Today we decided to walk to school. The light counted. 15, 14. 31, I mean 13. We took a left on Carroll Street. Danny's smart, but he gets distracted. He realized he forgot his homework. I hope he doesn't have another bad day at school. When you can see learning and attention issues from their side, you can be on their side. That's why there's understood.org, a free resource for the parents of the one in five kids with learning and attention issues. Go from misunderstanding to understood.org. Brought to you by Understood and the Ad Council. This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals on Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals on Wheels. You can make a difference by dropping off a hot meal and saying a quick hello. So America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, and I am Steve Larchuk, and today we are taking a deep dive into the war on the Potomac, healthcare battle. We left off just a few minutes ago with what was it like before the Affordable Care Act was passed back in 2009 and became effective in 2010, and let's, let's pick up with this simple fact. There were 50 million people with no health care insurance whatsoever. Many who had health care insurance found that it did not cover what they actually had. In other words, they would reach uh, into their seat cushions to find the money to make that health care premium payment every month, and then when they actually became injured or sick, they would find out that their policy didn't cover what was wrong with them or there was a big deductible. Since we anything we don't like we call fake these days, that was fake insurance. And so we had a lot of fake insurance that, that people were selling. And yeah, it was cheap. Uh, sure, it was cheap. If I don't cover anything, I can make it really cheap. If I can pull it out from under you as soon as you get sick, I can make it really cheap. If I can jack up the premiums and the co-pays sky high, I can make it very cheap. I can sell you a very inexpensive policy and never have to worry about ever paying off on it because it won't happen. Many young people were not covered by their family health care plans as soon as they turned 21 or got out of college. It was routine for the parents' health insurance policy to cut them off, which meant at the moment that you were trying to enter the workforce and uh, thinking you were invincible, therefore doing stupid things, you would be uninsured. And if you got a job, you would have, at, at best, a three-month waiting period until the insurance would kick in, and maybe your insurer or your employer wouldn't cover you at all. Back to how many people were uninsured, one of the little-known facts is that at any point during the year before the Affordable Care Act, 80 million people would be uninsured. In other words, out of the entire population, one out of four, at some point during the year, would not have health insurance. Those are what the Republicans call the good old days. 
uh, hospitals and doctors were not being fully compensated. They were doing tons of work out of the goodness of their hearts and not getting compensated. Uh, it was essentially the healthcare profession and professionals subsidizing a government that wouldn't do its job and make sure the people were paid. Very often, those doctors, and especially the hospitals, they would just jack up the price on the people who were insured or who could pay and that, to try and recover that money. But much of it was uncompensated care. There was precious little coverage for drug treatment, and health care costs were, and unfortunately still are, the leading cause of bankruptcy. Things are better now, but they were the leading cause of personal bankruptcy. Uh, there was very limited preventive care on most policies. So that is what it was like before the Affordable Care Act came. Now, I keep referring to the Patient Protection and the Affordable Care Act, and I, that's what I'm going to call it because that's its name. Now, a lot of people like to call it Obamacare. Now, they don't call it Obamacare because they think people will like it more because you call it Obamacare. The president, uh, Paul Ryan, all these people that are trying to shoot down the Affordable Care Act insist on calling it Obamacare because they know from polls that if you go out into the country and you ask people, are you in favor of repealing the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, the people think that they're nuts. Why would I do that? Why would I repeal the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act? When you say, would you like to repeal Obamacare? Well, unfortunately, a whole lot of people knee-jerk say, Ah, oh, I don't like that Obama. Oh, what a bad guy. I don't like him. After all, he tapped the president. Did you know that he tapped the president, that he, he had people put bugs in Trump Tower and tap the president? I don't have any proof of that, of course, but, you know, the president said it, so it must be true. And I don't want to be, I don't want to be confused by the facts. Just, just, you know, whatever the president says, that's what I want to hear. And, and let me just say, I, I swore I wouldn't get emotional or upset about this, but I can't help. But when people are lying to you and to us so persistently, I can only assume they think the American people are a collection of idiots. I mean, you can fool us for a while. Uh, as I said, who was it? Uh, you can fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. Well, that's, that's sort of what we're seeing. Anyway, back to uh, our regular programming. The patient protection part of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act had some very important things. So let's talk about that first. First, it made it illegal, illegal to throw people off their insurance just because they got sick. Now, if somebody committed fraud, you know, and they applied and they told you they were healthy when in fact they were, you know, they had some serious disease or they were somehow committing fraud, then you could. But that was rare. What, it, what essentially it did was it, it made unlawful the practice that so many insurance companies were using to keep premiums down, which was, go ahead and pay your premiums. We're just never going to pay any of your claims. So that one of the things the Patient Protection Act did was to stop that practice. It is incredibly unclear where the Republicans are on that particular part of their so-called repeal and replace. But it looks to me like they want to give insurance companies the right to do that all over again. The uh, overhead and profits under the Affordable Care Act were limited to 20% of premium. In other words, under the Affordable Care Act, an insurance company, and I know this is shocking, they actually had to spend 
money that they collected for premiums on health care. And actually, they had to spend 80% of the money they collected on health care. And if they spent more than that, they actually had to send money back to the people that were paying the premiums, whether it was an employer or an individual. And that actually happened in the first year. People were getting checks from their insurance company, and they couldn't believe it. But that's what the Affordable Care Act was requiring. They were saying to the insurance companies, if Medicare can take care of the sickest of the sick for 5% overhead, you can manage it on 20% overhead. Now, the, it appears, based on reading the new bills from the Republican Congress, that they want to let insurance companies go back to spending on themselves or on advertising or on underwriting or on sports teams, whatever they want, and just pass the cost along to the rate payers and the premium payers. Under the, affordable, under the patient protection part of the Affordable Care Act, there were no annual and there were no lifetime caps. If you were unlucky enough to get a serious disease or have a serious accident, the last thing you needed to worry about was your insurance being exhausted. And under the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, you didn't have to worry about that. There was no discrimination permitted against women. The patient protection part of the Patient Protected and Affordable Care Act made it illegal to discriminate against women. Now, you have to ask yourself, what, what is the problem of the Republicans who are so dead set to repeal the Affordable Care Act that they have a problem with that? What exactly is your problem, Mr. Ryan, and the others who want to try and repeal this? What do you have against women? You keep saying there's no war on women, but you know, it sure looks like there is when you do stuff like that. Now, there, was, there were also no refusals of coverage for pre-existing conditions or the nature of your work. And that, of course, is terribly important. One of the most popular things when you go out and read the polls, people really like that. And that's because one out of four Americans falls into some category of pre-existing condition. One out of four. So if, if the insurance companies are allowed to cherry pick and just take the healthy young people and charge them through the nose for coverage, well, then they can charge less. The pricing bias that is permitted under the Affordable Care Act and Patient Protection Act is based only on where you live. If you live in New York City, it's going to cost more than if you live in Kansas City. Uh, whether you smoke, don't smoke, that helps the problem. But if you do smoke, you're going to pay more. Or how many people were in your family. The other thing that the Affordable Care Act did was it it put an end to fake insurance. In other words, your insurance policy had to have a minimum set of uh, coverages. Minimum, what they called minimum essential benefits. Now you could have more, but the objective was that this was the floor. This was the floor. Now, when you watch on the news, and I watch way too much news, but when you watch the news, this, this gets blown right over. Nobody seems to dwell on what that means. Well, if you get sick, you know what it means because you go to your doctor or the hospital and you find out what's not covered in your plan. So what the Affordable Care Act said was, look, if you're in the insurance business and you want to sell insurance through the healthcare marketplace, you're going to have to sell something that actually is worth something. So here's what, here's what the Affordable Care Essential Benefits included, and we're going to have to take a break because it's such a long list, but I'm going to, I'm going to read a few. And then we're going to take a break, and everybody can do what you do on breaks. And then we're going to come back and read some more. So I'm going to wait for my engineer here to give me the sign when I need to shut up.
But first, ambulatory patient services, in other words, outpatient. Now, by the way, as I'm reading these, sort of keep in mind which ones you don't think you need, and we can talk about whether you really need them or not. But keep in mind the Republicans say that this list is arrogant, that it's making you buy stuff you don't, th- you don't really need. Well, as I'm going through this list, you tell me what you think you can do without. Ambulatory patient services, in other, in other words, outpatient services. Emergency services, you know, like going to the emergency room. People usually don't go to the emergency room for fun. So I'm guessing that if you're there, there's a pretty good reason. Uh, Hospitalization, surgeries, overnight stays, you probably need that. Uh, Pregnancy, maternity, newborn care. Now, I, I heard a congressman the other day say, why should a man contribute premium dollars to that? And a very uh, smart commentator on television said, you know, there probably was a man involved there somewhere. And so, I mean, you can, you can take it or leave it, but let me suggest, if the question had not been maternity care but had been breast cancer, maybe that male congressman would have been a little more sympathetic. Next, uh, mental health and substance use disorder services. Is there somebody out there that doesn't think we have a mental health care crisis in this country? Prescription drugs, we all need that, you know, and eventually you're going to need it. Uh, Rehabilitative services, how about laboratory services, you know, blood work, things like that. Well, we're going to take a break, and I promise this list keeps going. And if you don't appreciate what's in the Affordable Care Act, then you can't uh, intelligently discuss this uh, attempt to repeal it. So this is Steve Larchuk, Healthcare Politics. We'll see you on the other side. Well, they had 50 years to get the problem solved. You're listening to Win Workers Independent News, a diversified media enterprises production. I'm Doug Cunningham. Americans for Tax Fairness say the Republican plan to kill the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare will deliver billions of dollars in tax breaks to corporations and the wealthy while adding taxes to working families. Americans for Tax Fairness is a coalition of groups, including the AFL-CIO and SEIU. House Republicans want to tax workers' health care benefits, a huge $200 billion new tax on middle-class workers. At the same time, according to the Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget, the total tax breaks for corporations and the rich would be $594 billion over 10 years. When you go into the hospital, if there aren't enough nurses to safely care for all the patients, you have a greater chance of dying. And yet California is the only state in the U.S. with a safe nurse-patient ratio law, thanks to a long effort by the National Nurses United Nurses Union. A 2016 European study of 243 hospitals across Europe found that the more professional nurses on the job, the lower the patient death rates were. Deanne McEwen is an RN and a health and safety specialist with National Nurses United. This looked at the existing model of care and then just the proportion of RNs to a given group of patients. And cutting the number of RNs, the risk of death can can go up very high. McEwen says nurses in Ohio got a bill introduced there in February to pass a nurse safe staffing ratio law. Well, we just recently uh, introduced legislation in Ohio, February 14th, have a heart for nurses, and nurses are the heart of patient care, and uh, Senator Michael uh, Scandal there of the introduced the Ohio Patient Protection Act. So the nurses in Ohio and, and the public good government groups are certainly 
uh, have read the data, and uh, they, they want uh, the same protection that we've won here in, in California. The New Jersey State Senate is expected to vote Monday on legislation that would let police and firefighter unions manage their own pension systems. Legislation doing that was approved by a state Senate committee on a 10-to-1 vote. Police and fire unions in New Jersey may try managing their pension systems on their own. Policeman's Benevolent Association President Patrick Culligan says that police can't count on the state of New Jersey to properly care for the pensions anymore. New Jersey has systematically underfunded public employee pensions by not making adequate payments into that system for years. Sponsored by Iron Workers Impact, now reserving spots for this year's groundbreaking conference, welcoming contractors to grow their business by networking and attending world-class breakouts. More on this event in San Diego, happening March 19th through the 22nd, is found online at impact-net.org under events. You've been listening to WIN, Workers Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. And you are with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, attorney and healthcare advocate. And many, many thanks to our national sponsors, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain registration, domain name registration. Learn more about them by going to Pair.com. That's P-A-I-R.com. Also, thanks to Larchuk Law Offices, providing services to Pennsylvanians for 36 years. Learn more at LarchukLaw.com. That's L-A-R-C-H-U-K-L-A-W.com. And we are back talking about the war on the Potomac, healthcare battle. I have one eye sort of looking at the TV monitor because we were promised the Congressional Budget Office would come back today with the analysis of the Ryan Care, uh, Donald Care, Trump Care, whatever you care you want to call it. Uh, and we're still waiting. So my guess is that it's not good news for those advocates of the health care plan who swore they were going to bring us something much better than the, uh, pri- the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. We were, before we took our break, uh, running through the list of the things that the Affordable Care Act actually did for people, because if you listen to the president and Speaker Ryan and all of the other people that are so hell-bent to repeal the Affordable Care Act, you would think it was just the worst thing ever. And, of course, they never, ever bring somebody forward who's had a good experience. There are governors all over this, the country who are pleading with them not to mess around with the Medicaid expansion. But just to to complete our list, the essential benefits, in other words, in order to avoid uh, getting the label fake insurance, the the things you had to have in your insurance policy to qualify to be on the marketplace, uh, also included preventive and wellness services, and also for kids, uh, oral and vision care. Now, if maybe your kids don't need to have teeth, maybe they're you don't care if their eyes work, but if you do care about those things, it was uh, for the first time a legal requirement that if you're going to sell insurance, it has to actually mean something. There has to be some value to it. Now, I have um, I have time, but I don't have enough time to read all of the things that were covered that are covered as essential benefits under the Affordable Care Act for preventive care. Now. If you think about health care, and you know, the president had this epiphany a couple of weeks ago. He said, nobody knew how complicated health care was. Nobody knew. No, actually, you know, pretty much everybody knew, but maybe you didn't know. And we're, there's lots of us out here who are happy to 
sort of bring you up to speed. But stop just spouting off uh, Republican talking points and saying it's a disaster, it's a disaster, it's a disaster. If you, it, you know, pay no attention to the facts. Just listen to me. It's a disaster. We need to repeal it. And whatever we replace it with, because it's my idea, it'll be beautiful. By definition, everything with my name on it is beautiful. So there are lots of things, lots of things, preventive care uh, type of activities built into the Affordable Care Act that if, if the Republicans get their way, you can kiss them goodbye. Uh, it, lots of things, I mean, the obvious things, blood pressure screening, uh, cholesterol screening, col- colorectal sc- uh, cancer screening, uh, mammography, uh, STI screening, uh, tobacco use screening, counseling, uh, substance abuse, uh, preventive benefits for women, uh, obviously uh, contraceptive services, breastfeeding services, anemia screening uh, for pregnant women. There were even more because healthy prenatal care is the secret to a healthy baby, of course. Uh, Urinary tract infections, cervical cancer screening. It just goes on and on. There's probably 50 or 60 things here. Preventive services for kids. Uh, autism screening, behavioral assessments. You know, if you've got kids, these things mean something. If you have grandchildren, they mean something. And if you have a, if you believe that, you know, if you, if, if you're one of these people that goes to church or synagogue or wherever you go, and you sit for a couple hours a week and you think about, uh, we're all in this together, and you go because it's community, and then you walk out the door and you're immediately willing to drive the bus over your neighbor, over health care, then, frankly, you need to go back in that church and spend a little more time and uh, take it a little more seriously because if we have a community in this country where we actually believe in taking care of each other and supporting each other, it starts with health care. Inequality in health care is the most shocking and inhumane activity of this country. So, uh, I could read that list, but it would take me forever, and we don't have the time. So we're going to move on to let's let's talk about what the Republicans uh, plan on doing. Uh, they had seven years to come up with a plan, but they, all they did was vote 60 times to repeal the Affordable Care Act. They never, ever, ever came forward with an actual plan because you know that's what what did the president say? Nobody knew how complicated it would be. Well, so eventually they something unexpected happened. They won. And so they've been scrambling to try and come up with something. The um, the Ryan plan, I'm going to call it the Ryan plan because uh, Kellyanne Conway said the other day that the president doesn't want it to be called Trump Care. You know, he, he'll put his name on anything. So if he's not willing to put his name on this, that should tell you quite a bit. Uh, but let's, so what's it, what is it? First, they want to repeal the mandates. What are the mandates? The mandates were the price that the insurance industry charged to our country to not fight the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act back in 2009. Now, let me repeat that because this is really a surprise to a lot of people who weren't living it day in and day out like some of us were back then. The insurance industry, I'm talking about the private insurance companies, the Aetnas, the Cygnas, the you know, United Healthcare, all those guys, they said, you know, um, Mr. President, uh, you know, President Obama and Speaker Pelosi, you know, we could really sink your effort. We could put out advertising, you know, Harry and Louise type stuff from 1994 that sank Hillary Clinton's effort. We could do that to you again. But I'll tell you what, here's the deal. And, you know, the president loves deals. Well, here was the deal. 
back in 2009. The deal was, if you make everybody buy our product, if you make everybody buy insurance, we won't oppose the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. And so the mandates, meaning the man that everybody has to buy insurance or you have to pay a penalty, was not Barack Obama's idea. It was not Nancy Pelosi's idea. It was the Heritage Foundation and the insurance industry's idea. They said, if we don't have everybody in, then it's not insurance. Just the sick people will sign up, and the thing can't work. In order to have insurance, you have to have everybody in the pool, and some people will get sick, and they'll have claims, and other people will, will be all right. So the Republicans say, we don't like those mandates, so we're going to repeal the mandates. Now, keep in mind, it was their idea. It was their idea back years ago. They want to repeal the taxes that are used to fund the Affordable Care Act. Well, those were taxes that were principally placed on people making in the top 4% of wage earners or the super wealthy who are making their money on Wall Street. So that was where most of the money is coming from. So by repealing those taxes, it's a great windfall to those folks, but where is it coming from? It's, it, it's going to reduce the coverage to people that are on the Medicaid expansion and, and otherwise. They want to phase out the Medicaid expansion. This is Paul Ryan's idea. Over two or three years, uh, some really fire-breathing Republicans want to repeal it today, but certainly within a year or a year and a half. They want all those 15 to 20 million people who, who now have insurance because their states voted to expand Medicaid. That's 31 states, even states like Ohio with a Republican governor. Uh, they want to stop that. They want to uh, phase it out and just kick those people out on the street. Uh, they are willing to keep the 26-year-old eligibility for uh, staying on your parents' policy, so that's something. They've got some version of staying qualified for pre-existing conditions, uh, although it's with a real penalty like 30%, something like that. Mostly what it's all about, mostly what the, the theory behind Ryan Care is, is that they want to basically let the marketplace do its thing. They want to allow insurance companies to run the this whole section of the economy however they want, and we should just trust them. Just trust them. Why would they let us down? Well, we'll talk about that when we come back from this commercial break. This is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. We'll be right back. A free market monster with invisible hands. Thousands sick and dying because they got no covers. Our neighbors and friends, our sisters and brothers. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. While we take a break from healthcare politics with Steve Larchuk, let's talk for a couple of minutes about the gas boom and the Marcellus shale drilling that is sometimes a blessing and sometimes a disaster for the people who have signed these gas leases. If you live in rural Pennsylvania, 
and you or your family owned a farm or other land, and, and you signed one of these leases with someone called a landman, a uh, representative of the gas drilling company. Uh, you may have signed that lease and got a nice signing bonus, and the gas company made promises about trying to develop the gas under your property. You probably spent the signing bonus pretty fast, and during the recession, that money being spent in small towns throughout western Pennsylvania helped to keep their economies afloat. It was terribly important, but was it just a dream? What you were really counting on were the future royalties. In other words, that percentage of the gas sales price you were supposed to get once that gas started to flow. Depending upon how clever the landman was, you might have agreed to 12.5%, which is the minimum under Pennsylvania law, or maybe you scored 18 or 20%, depending on how clever you were. Maybe you were expecting hundreds of dollars or even thousands of dollars each month. Are you seeing what you were promised? Thousands of people signed these gas leases, and now there are lawsuits from one end of Pennsylvania to the other as landowners are feeling cheated on their royalties and have seen their property damaged or poisoned by careless drillers and workers brought in from out of state and who had no concern for the mess they were leaving behind. If you or your family are feeling cheated, you may need to talk to a lawyer. Call me, Steve Larchuk, 412-848-1878. That's 412-848-1878. What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano, selfies on your feed, your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times, 51, 52. When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Health care is, right. is a human right. This is Steve Larchick with Healthcare Politics, and we are back. We're talking about the uh, Ryan Care proposal, the Donald proposed, Donald Care, Trump Care, whatever you want to care to call it. Uh, breaking news. Uh, the, there are multiple reports that the uh, Congressional Budget Office will issue its report at 4 o'clock Eastern time. That's about 14 minutes from now. If that actually happens, I'm sure you'll all want to switch to C-SPAN and see exactly what that's all about. In the meanwhile, we're talking about uh, the Republican proposal, which, depending on who you listen to, is is going to either be jammed through no matter what or it's going to go down in flames here shortly. But one of the things that uh, Paul Ryan said last week, the Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan, was that the premiums are just skyrocketing all over the country. We're in a death spiral. It's, it's oh, woe is us. It's uh, the end of the world. And he, he rattled off some states where, in fact, the, the premiums went up last year uh, by 50% or more. Now, when you ask the people who actually know instead of who are trying to push some agenda they say that was expected because it's the third year of the program and in the prior two years the, the increases were rather modest but even last year and of course Paul Ryan would never be honest enough with the American people to admit this but in Indiana the price the uh, increase in the Obamacare plans and I 
shouldn't call it Obamacare. The Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act plans was minus 3%. In other words, the price went down in Indiana. And if Indiana sounds like a familiar state, your vice president was governor in Indiana. And so uh, Indiana actually saw its premiums go down. The president always forgets to mention that. And he also forgets to mention that in California, which is a rather significant state, the premiums went up 15%, but in the prior years, they went up hardly at all. And if you average it out over the three years, it went up 7% per year. Now, Paul Ryan's not going to tell you that because that's not consistent with their narrative that the world is ending. Uh, What they want to do, they also say that the Affordable Care Act is just so inflexible that states can't do what they want to do with Medicaid, which is, um, to use a short term for it, a lie. It's a lie, L-I-E, lie. Two states that have been granted waivers to do what they, they wanted to do with Medicaid are, once again, Indiana, the state where our vice president was governor, uh, and also Michigan, a state that voted for, for some reason for Donald Trump. And those states were able to put together proposals that were approved by the Obama administration, and they're they're having some good success with managing their Medicaid dollars. So, uh, you know, Speaker Ryan, you know, make your case, but don't lie to us. You know, if if the facts don't work for you, maybe you're on the wrong side of this. Uh, He also is pushing hard for block grants. There are 19 states who, despite the fact that it would have cost them nothing, they refused to expand Medicaid to cover all their people because it was just politically something they didn't want to swallow. Now, that's nice, you know, if you're a governor and you're comfortable and you want to make a political point. But in Texas, for example, some 600,000 people are not covered by Medicaid who could be because their governor just wants to play politics. Florida's another state. I think it's something like 400,000 plus or minus. Once again, these are people who can't get health care. This isn't like they can't buy, you know, an iPhone or a hoverboard or something like that. They can't. Health care is not a discretionary purchase. I have yet to meet the pe- a person who says, boy, I really want to go to the doctor today because I like it hanging out there. It's just a great thing. People don't go for health care for the fun of it. It's, a, it's not a discretionary purchase, and we should stop acting like it's just like every other business. It is not. Uh, the, according to the speaker, the, the problem is there's no consumer dynamic, as he calls it. We should, let, we should harness the power of competition. Well, let's talk about that. Before the Affordable Care Act, the insurance companies could do anything they wanted. If they wanted to lower prices to compete effectively, they could. The only restriction was they couldn't sell junk from one state into another state. In other words, if they were in a state that had very low requirements, very low enforcement for their policies, and they wanted to go to a state like New York, California, or Pennsylvania that had some actual rules, you couldn't do that because uh, those states... Uh, wanted insurance to actually mean something. They didn't want people coming in and selling fake insurance. So the Republican Party seems to think that that is the kind of competition that we need more of. We need people who will sell a cheap policy so the people will be seduced into buying it, and then when they think they need it, they're going to find out it doesn't cover anything because it's fake insurance, or they're going to find that the insurance company yanks it out from under them because they actually got sick. This is what they want to do. 
Paul Ryan and the Republicans seem to think that health savings accounts will save us, that everybody will take money that they're earning. Of course, that assumes you've got a job. It assumes you have extra money, more money than you need, of course, and you can, you can park it into a health savings account. The only advantage to a health savings account is that you don't have to pay income tax on that money, or at least federal income tax on that money. And therefore, you save 15, 20 percent, whatever your your income tax bracket may be. Well, first of all, that tax you didn't pay is money that the federal government is basically contributing to your care. So what's the point? If we're against having the government actually help fund health care, then why are we doing this health care savings account? It's a whole lot of paperwork. It's a whole lot of headache. And it's a whole lot of nonsense. It doesn't help anything. They want to have the Republicans are saying, we're going to do away with this Obamacare, as they call it, uh, system of, of, of subsidies, and we're going to have refundable tax credits. Well, boy, that sounds simple. If your objective was to make a simple plan, boy, that's simple. We're going to have refundable tax credits. However, they're not going to go up, and they're going to start low, $2,000 if you're young, and they're going to top out at 4000 if you're like a 60-year-old, which I don't know if they've actually shopped for health insurance lately, but that doesn't it doesn't begin to scratch the surface of what you need. And then they're not going to expand it. They're going to just park it there. On Medicare, uh, sorry, Medicaid, they, they're going to freeze the amount of money they're going to give the states, and they're going to begin to ratchet it back. So the states will either have to discontinue the programs, and then the states are the bad guys, or the states are going to have to start taxing their, their citizens, and then the states are the bad guys. But the people in Congress, guys like Paul Ryan, can say, hey, we uh, look at us. We, we dropped uh, how much money the federal government is spending. Let, let me just say, and we're just about out of time, let me just say that this, if you really are serious, Paul Ryan and Donald Trump and others, that you really want to have every American covered, and you want to do it in an, in an efficient and uh, correct way, You'll, you'll adopt a Medicare for All program. Just drop the 65 requirement. If you need to wrap some kind of Medicaid program into it, that's fine. But the federal government should pay for it all. If a state like, Cal- like Wisconsin or, or Pennsylvania, New York, doesn't have to come up with the money to match on Medicaid, it can use that money for b- roads and bridges and schools and a whole bunch of other things. And, and all of a sudden, voila, you have your infrastructure program ready to go in the hands of the people who know best what they should do with it. There's a way to fix this problem, but it's not Ryan Care. So that's, that's uh, as far as we can go for the moment. We're going to be back with some parting thoughts in just a few minutes. We're 37th in the world. I think we need a better plan. Money hungry insured pharmaceutical greed. Outrageous co-pays for the meds we need. In the richest nation we got on this earth Your health ain't a right Wonder all the other ones worth yeah. You're not wired to have a response to this sound You're neutral to it And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything But when we introduce a new stimulus Save the food We've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you Save the food Because 40% of all food in the U.S. never gets eaten. Save the food. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. 
when it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you gonna do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow, but what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait, communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow right where you live? that it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait, communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This has been an interesting show because news is breaking as we do it, which is always fun. Uh, Next week, we devote the entire hour to a discussion of the intersection of drug addiction and the need for comprehensive national single-payer health reform. Uh, We have a terrific guest, an internationally renowned expert on addiction. He's also a advocate for single-payer health care, and he says without one, we can't deal with the other. Many thanks to our national sponsors, Pair Networks, world-class web hosting and domain registration, and Larchuk Law Offices. Our music is courtesy of Mike Stout. Our producer and booker is Dr. Ann McGeary. Our logo is courtesy of Angel Collini. Engineering and technical support is provided by TUE Media. Uh, please visit our website at healthcare-politics.com. That's healthcare, all one word, hyphen, politics with an S, dot com. Until next week, remember the words of Martin Luther King Jr. Of all forms of injustice, inequality in healthcare is the most shocking and inhumane. When we come back next week with our episode six, we're going to be covering drug addiction, opioid addiction, and the scourge which is costing more lives to be lost than auto accidents, which is just unimaginable. We'll talk to you then. Until then, this is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchick wishing you a healthy week. Well, they had 50 years to get the problem solved. Soaring costs and less access is where we evolve. From infant mortality to our lifespan. We're 37th in the world. I think we need a better plan. Money hungry insured, pharmaceutical greed. Outrageous co-pays for the meds we need. In the richest nation we got on this earth. 